Hi folks, welcome along to another episode of my podcast Soundtracking. Thank you so much for choosing to listen. Um, also, thank you so much. We've had a, a real outpouring over the last couple of weeks, particularly for Johnny Greenwood and for Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, and in answer to a few people's questions, yes, I have framed those pictures of myself with Paul Thomas Anderson. In fact, I think it may well be my Christmas card this year, just putting that out there. Anyway, we move on because we have another brilliant episode as we etch closer to our 300th episode. I'm kind of slightly blown away by that. So yeah, whether you've listened to one or whether you've listened to all the episodes that we've done so far, thank you so much. We love making this show and we really love um, hearing from you guys as well as and when you come across the show. Our latest guests on Soundtracking are Pixar animator, writer and director Domi Shi and producer Lindsay Collins, whose new project together is the wonderful Turning Red. Now it's streaming on Disney Plus now and it tells the story of a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian student who transforms into a giant panda when she gets into a heightened emotional state. It's scored by our old friend, the wonderful Ludwig Gorenson. And the one thing that I will say is Domi is this fantastic storyteller who's come through the ranks at Pixar. You might have seen one of her beautiful shorts, Bao. And Lindsay, well, I mean, Lindsay, as you'll hear in our interview, has worked across some of our favourite ever Pixar films. But we are going to begin with one of Ludwig's cues from the film. This is The Aunties. Thank you so much for doing my podcast. Um, music is a beautiful part of the story of, of Turning Red. Um, and I wanted to ask at what point you started thinking about music and how you wanted this, this film to sound musically. Yeah, I mean, we had a really tricky task in terms mm-hmm. of the score because our, our temp score that we used for all the rough reels was just like a eclectic mix mm-hmm. of, <laughs> of new Jack swing of jazzy flute of uh, orchestral music of, of, of traditional Chinese instruments. And we needed uh, a composer who could somehow blend all of those elements together and make it feel co- coherent. And then uh, Ludwig Gorenson was like the first person yeah. that popped into our minds. Um, I've been a fan of his since like forever, like attracted mm. his career from like Community to Creed to Black Panther to all the albums he produced on, you know, for Childish Gambino. Yeah. And we knew that and then the Mandalorian and there's some like cool, weird, like mm-hmm. woodwind in that too. But we we knew that he could help us kind of hone in like all of the elements that we were using in the temp score to, and just make it feel coherent.
so we brought him in like what like two three years then yeah. like, like two years two out. years into yeah, yeah. Like, wow but I would say that yeah. we even were talking about it before that for all those reasons and yeah. what <laughs> as a producer I was like uh-oh because <laughs> what we what we do as you can imagine as we're putting our reels together is you know, we have um, music editors at Pixar that are cutting our temp music to score um, to our reels. You know, it's not that we use all kinds of different ones, but there is a library that, you know, is kind of shared across all the films of, you know, when there's an action scene, they kind of tend to have a list of a list of score cues that we use for the temp. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, they were they were like not hitting the mark. They Mm -hmm. nothing that they were cutting in was working um, for the reels. And and so it became, it's always interesting to see when you hit those bumps, you're like, oh, this is going to be something we haven't, we haven't had to think about for a long time. Meaning mm-hmm. we have to re, we have to come up with a whole different kind of library of temp scores for this uh, movie, just because we wanted, you know, it to feel like it was set in 2002 and all the reasons that you see in the ultimate score, we kind of hit first in the temp and it gives us a good, clear indication of the types of music that mm-hmm. the dome is responding to. And also kind of, if it's going to feel, if we're looking for something more traditional, great. And then we had that conversation about mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. here are all the composers we're excited about. But the fact that we were doing something a little different in this mm-hmm. and wanted something a little different, you were like, I don't want it to feel like this big orchestral score that yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. feel right for this film. So we kind of knew early that it was like, all right, we want to, we want to challenge ourselves to do something a little different here. And we need to find a composer who's going to be up for that. Ludwig seems to be from, I've been lucky enough to chat to him for a couple of times and and what I love about what you hear from him and also the directors that he works with is his his respect for the cultural elements as well. So for mm-hmm. with Black Panther, how much time he went and spent, you know, in, in those communities um, learning about the real instrumentation and melodies and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I can't really think of having heard conversations from people about someone who's who 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 puts that much work into that side of it to get the authenticity to that side of it. Yeah. He's really excited about it. I yeah. mean it's not even that he's willing to do it. It's more he gets really yeah. into it. He like loves <laughs> nerding yeah. out about the instrument. <laughs> yeah. He was like he's like and you go to his studio and he's like, oh this is this crazy instrument I used for the mandolin. He's like bing, 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 bing. Yeah. you know he's like playing and you're like, oh what's that? Yeah. So yeah, he's he's kind of a magician that way. I think yeah. he's always looking to and I'll say that I think his score, I would say for me, took the biggest leap from kind of just his temp demo tracks that he sent up to what the ultimate score sounded like. And that's because he does so much kind of overlays and um, post yeah. kind of producing 
um, on top yeah. of the orchestral score that he gets. So it really, yeah, it's, he's kind of like us. It's like, he just yeah, keeps adding builds, and yeah. builds the score and it gets richer every single time mm-hmm. we hear it. Yeah. Um, Domi, did you play the flute? I did. Yeah. Uh, that's why. Really kind of plays the How'd you know? Movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the stance. You can tell from the stance that she has with the flute. They go, that's come from someone who knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving made her play it on the scoring stage. Yeah. Too. Oh, it was great. I was so Because yes. I was like playing it in You're, front of like. That's so girls. cool. Yeah. You're on the score as well on that side of it. That's brilliant. Oh, I'm not on the score. Yeah. She just, he just made her oh, do it in front of it. all the musicians. And then I was like, don't record this. <laughs> but yeah. but she, she, she did pretty well. Mm-hmm. It was good. He was really also just to say when we was doing the introduction for May, right, which is her theme, you know, he paid attention to that. Mm-hmm. He's like, obviously she plays the flute that like you'd seen the movie. And so he was like, it feels like we should have that as part of her theme. Like her theme should have like a flute element, like a flute element to it. So he, yeah, he cares a lot about kind of what makes sense for the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the, the, the theme has this wonderful kind of sassiness to it and amazing how the music kind of tells you even more about her than what she's telling us to screen. It's so clever. And he, it just feels like he really nailed her. He really kind of, yeah. Got yeah. Her personality. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, the first thing that we tackled when we started working with Ludwig was like, what is May's theme? Mm-hmm. What is, what does it sound like when she's walking down the street and introducing herself? And that was going to inform the rest of the right. movie. Um, we really wanted her theme to like have this iconic melodic kind of feeling this, this, this tune that like we can kind of bring up or, or hum in mm-hmm. our heads after we watch the movie and, uh, and yeah, like we wanted it to feel like her, like, like dorky and confident and confident <laughs> and, and playful yeah. um, and, and zany. And he, you know, like he kept doing a lot of back and forth and he kept adding on like extra layers. I love that. Like there's this like synthy sound that he added, like right when her feet land on the pavement, like <laughs> don't, don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't like, like he just, he, every single little thing he added just like yeah. made it feel more fun and more like her, yep. which is awesome.
How did you approach the whole boy band world as well? You know, in terms of the the kind of sonic side of that, and there being a, a boy band that feature, you know, as a as a kind of part of the narrative, really. Yeah, that was um, really important for us to be able to find like songwriters who could like speak to those obsessive thirteen year old uh, or like teen like like fans of of, of boy band music of 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 that 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 teen heartache mm-hmm. uh and we thought like like who better than current modern day artists who are speaking to teens and and that and they were billy eilish and phineas o'connell mm-hmm. but it was like kind of a like a hail mary it, hail mary <laughs> because we didn't know if they wanted to work with <laughs> yeah us. we were like i don't know let's let's ask him because yeah. it was a weird i mean you can imagine it's a very yeah. odd request yeah yeah i think the weirdness actually attracted them to it yeah. they were like oh it's so weird that they'll say yes and I th- yeah that was our <laughs> that was our plan that was our golden plan like we make it weird and then they'll say yes mm-hmm. um and i think what was also important was that you know we did debate like should we just find an existing boy band, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and see if they'd be willing to either write songs or something. Yeah. And we thought about it, but then we were like, well, where's the fun in that? Like, yeah. <laughs> we gotta, I mean, come on, how often does this opportunity come around? <laughs> so, um, and we wanted it to be a diverse group of characters and, and visually diverse and culturally diverse. And so it, it was also an opportunity to really be specific about that. And yeah. we were all joking with our uh, the head of music, you know, at Disney. You know, he was like, "I don't think boy bands have ever been assembled based on, okay, we need a bass and we need a tenor and we need like, you know, usually they're all singing like almost the same exact kind of uh, role." Yeah, and so we were able to really um, play around and get the best of the best. So, in terms of performance, and, so- and, and Phineas is one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what was and so what was the ask of? Did you kind of just sort of say, "See, we we need you to write." some tracks for a kind of, you know, a, a mythical boy band almost in a way. Yeah, we did. I mean, it was, and we kind of said, let's, we're the way we just kind of sat them down and said, the way, this is how we're using the songs right now, the temp songs we were mm-hmm. using. And we were worried because the temp songs we were using were super fun. And we were like, oh yeah. no, I wonder if we're going to just not feel excited when, <laughs> when, <they laughs> when we have to replace them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we kind of said, this is how we're using it. And, and the one we knew for sure was the most present at the time was the kind of what we call the confidence booster. Yeah, right? it's the song that her friends like sing to her when she's a red panda mm-hmm. and she's like crying and they're trying to cheer her up. Mm-hmm. And we needed lyrics that sounded like really like supportive and affirmational mm-hmm. and like, like confident boosting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they came up with like great lines, like the never net met nobody like you. All the double negatives. Yeah. <laughs> not on my yeah. mind. Never not know. on my mind. Yeah. yeah you don't, right. They don't turn my tummy. You know, yeah. The they don't turn do. my tummy the way you do. So cute. Yeah. And it's just like, you hear that and, and you see like friends singing that to a girl who's down. It's just yeah. so perfect. So, so they sweet. sent us these, I mean, I think it was, I want to say, so we asked them in February mm-hmm. of 20 mm-hmm. or January of 20. 20 January 2020 so right before uh, the pandemic oh yeah and before they won 18 million Grammys um (laughs) and uh and then we got the first demo I want to say for that song in June it was like the early summer summer, I think I think in some ways maybe the the pandemic uh, worked in our favor in the sense they were probably sitting around (laughs) with not a lot to do their concert their tour had been canceled and everything so we got the demo and it was it was Billy and Phineas singing it Mm-hmm. And so after we fangirled out for a second, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
we, uh, we, you know, we play it for our crew. Um, cause that's, we would take an opportunity on zoom to play it for our crew and our crew mm-hmm. meeting. And like you, we just had comments coming in like, Oh my God, I can't stop singing this song. And yeah, uh, it sounds so like nostalgic. Yeah. I feel like I already know it. met nobody like you had friends and i've had buddies it's true but they don't turn my tummy the way you do i never met nobody like you and then we just they they tackled the next one which was um the hit song the hit song everybody knows everybody knows and that's the song they <laughs> sing uh like when the girls are like making money off of yeah, the panda, like, <laughs> right? We said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We said we wanted them to ha- sound like it was like it's, a hustle. It's a hustle song. It's yeah. like it's like <laughs> the the lyrics have to speak to like a girl working working making for money. that paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. making money. Yeah. They, like making paper like it's origami. Yeah, they came up with great lines like yeah. that. I'm making paper like it's origami. I'm gonna hustle every. And then the last one was a love ballad, which you don't actually hear that much, that much of in the, although we loved it. So we kept trying to find opportunities to put it into the, into Mm -hmm. this movie, but you hear the whole thing in the, in the credits and it's a, it's a great song. It's so Mm -hmm. funny. It's like, I drove by your house 29 times today. Yeah. And then they did did the math and it was so stockery. They did the math and they're like, and then the next verse is like, I drove by your house 10,000 times last year. So they actually did the math. If you drove by somebody's house 29 times a day, how many times would it be in a year? Brilliant. Yeah.
got this brilliant thing where there's a there's an element of nostalgia to it, but it's also timeless. It's kind of they've managed to create something that you know the the film's sort of set two thousand early two thousands. Yeah. So it's got a, it's got a kind of nod to that, but it's also kind of it's timeless as well in a way. It's brilliant. It's great. Yeah. And then and yeah. And again, we're like we're just excited to get. I'm like, when can the songs get out into the world? I'm mean, as excited <laughs> yeah. about those going out as I am about the movie because it's mm-hmm. they're so fun. Yeah, definitely. It's going to follow in the footsteps of Bruno for sure, I think. Definitely. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, definitely. With regards to, Lindsay, with your experience, you know, in terms of the, the number of Pixar films you've worked on and the relationship with music and, you know, things like working with Thomas Newman on Wally and things like that. Have yeah. you, it, 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 I imagine for every project, the relationship and communication with your composer is very different, very unique to the ask of that story, to yes. those characters, to the animation as well, I imagine. Uh huh. Yes, for sure. I think. Um, yeah, so I've worked with um, Tom a bunch, and I've worked with Michael Giacchino mm-hmm. on a on a score, and and obviously now Ludwig, and they're all very different. I think um, you know they approach it very differently. They you know Tom is uh, likes to be involved kind of almost at the very beginning, and then every conversation feels like a philosophical debate, um, which is, is so fun. Like he's like, when you say you know you want it to be intense, do you mean like? intense in the way that it's an emotional intensity or like, you know what I mean? And you have these long conversations, but you find yourself coming back. And I think great composers do this. And as a producer, I get to kind of sit back and watch it happen where every time you meet with a composer, ideally your director comes back that much smarter about Mm -hmm. that moment in the film, Mm -hmm. not musically necessarily, but just be able, they're able to talk about it differently, having had the conversation with a composer. So the next time Domi went and spoke to the animators about that scene, the conversation she had with Ludwig about it mm-hmm. actually makes her kind of more intentional in her direction to the animators, mm-hmm. just because she's had to think about it in a different, almost in a different language. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, if you have to translate a sentence, you know, into five different languages, you get much more specific about the words you're using in that sentence. Um, so I think uh, that's been that's been true for every composer, I think, is that you kind of find yourself smarter about the movie you're making, having had the conversation, even mm-hmm. though the language is different. And Ludwig was was definitely that. I think he obviously is somebody who's worked with a, a lot of uh, directors, but also clearly has a great love of story and character mm-hmm. and is really wants to be intentional and not just kind of come in and be like, all right, just give me the movie and then I'll go away and score the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's a much more of a back and forth, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be lots of young girls picking up the flute after this, to be honest. It's kind of like you yeah, kind of it made back. it really cool. Yeah, yeah totally. and Lizzo made it cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, exactly. That's a that's a performance that should be seen on some kind of um, Teen Choice Awards or something. Too, yeah. With your yeah, Lizzo so that's coming a great in. Best yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Who was your boy band uh, for you for personally? Because, you know, this is a personal story, so... Yeah, <laughs> I know. I wasn't like as boy band crazy as me, but my boy band was was definitely NSYNC. 
specifically JC, who I thought was superior to JT. Okay, don't. Why are you starting with me right now? You you guys have had this conversation. Like you're throwing down in front of camera, and now I have to respond. I um yeah. I could tell that's a conversation that's already been had there. Yeah. yeah. Was it? It's really. It's such a weird thing to ask. But coming up with the name of the boy band was that a that tricky thing? Did it? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. like. Uh, we had like written down like a list of like potential <laughs> boy band names, and Four Town just kept sticking out. And especially this like joke that I really wanted to put in the movie. It was all just around the joke of like, like why are they called Four Town if there's five of them? Which I always <laughs> thought was a funny joke. That was like literally in the. It was. It was before the first draft of the script. Yeah, it was like in I, a character. I study. just centered the entire movie around that one joke. No. <laughs> no, it's true though, right? You guys, because you did it. I think you wrote you and Sarah Stryker, who was an early writer, yeah. first writer on the film. You guys wrote a fictitious conversation between May and her mom just yeah. to give a sense of like what their dynamic would be. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and she oh, was like, yeah. and, I think and her that mom like. Didn't there understand. are five of them. Yeah. I don't understand. Like that was in that, right? Yeah. Wasn't yeah. That early? It was yeah, that super early. early. It was super early. But um, <laughs> also like just the number four uh, just felt like a, a good thing to include in the, in the mm-hmm. boy band name because uh, four is a very like unlucky, inauspicious number in a lot of like Asian cultures, like in Chinese four and death sound exactly the same so oh, wow. when you go into elevators or i guess like lifts in in, yeah. in the <laughs> yeah. uk like there's no like fourth floor it's kind of like the 13th floor yeah it's like no. the 13th floor. Really? Yeah, yeah yeah so it felt like perfect that this like chinese girl would be like obsessed with four town and like want to cover her body all in, the like, merchandise four merch yeah. and like horrify her her mom and her asian family so yeah, uh, <laughs> it worked at every level. <laughs> well, if, what's your family's reaction to the film being? Oh, they haven't seen it yet. They, oh, wow. they have yet to see it. Yeah, uh, they're they're coming to the Toronto premiere March eighth. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll let oh. you know. My family, <laughs> oh. yeah, my family saw it for the first time last night. Actually, yeah. like uh, at, at, in the U- here in the UK. So my kids are all teenagers. So I think they were a little like. <laughs> Like, oh no, has she, has she put anything very specific, oh, yeah. specific in the movie that is, that is going to clearly be me? I did not, um, but they, they loved it. I mean, they've seen a little snippets of it, obviously, yeah. as it's being made, but they were, they were laughing in all the right places and horrified in all the right places. So uh, I, I can't wait to see it again, to be honest. I think that it's a film that, you know, that's the wonderful thing that with, with, with the Pixar films is how many times we go back and, and watch them because I don't know, they, we, we get something different every time we watch it or we go to it for a specific reason, you know, in terms of we we want to feel something or, or experience mm-hmm. something again. And um, and this is one that I, I definitely think we'll be going back to again and again and again for so many reasons. Um, it's okay. just absolutely brilliant. And um, thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait as well to to share this chat with 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 kind of little bits and bobs as well of Ludwig's music because I think he's a he's a master and uh, I get so excited about what what he uh, what he does next and I look forward to to your next story as well Domain looking forward to seeing what that is and you too Lindsay thank you for your time thank you it was a pleasure yeah it was awesome take care guys thank you bye-bye
From the score to Turn in Red, that's Temple Duties by Ludwig Gornson, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Domi Shi and Lindsay Collins. My huge thanks to Domi and Lindsay for taking the time to talk to us. As I said, Turning Red is shown at a few selected cinemas, but is also available on Disney Plus now to all subscribers. I watched this over the weekend with my two boys, 13 and 9-year-old, and it was such a great experience. There was a lot of laughter, a lot of questions after it as well, which I think is a sign of a good film when you get questions from your kids about it afterwards. Uh, thank you so much once again to Domi and Lindsay. Head to edithbowman.com to catch up with all of our previous episodes, including my two chats with Ludwig. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtrack in UK and do leave us a rating and a review as it really does. Well, it helps and it's very much appreciated. Next up, I'm joined by the fabulous Craig Roberts talking about his new film, The Phantom of the Open, which, as you're listening to this, is out in cinemas now. It is scored by Isabel Waller-Bridge, who was going to join us for the chat, but unfortunately, it's been a bit poorly, so wasn't able to join us. But Craig, next week's guest on the show, I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>